Well, good morning, everybody. If we could head back to your seats, if you don't mind. So glad that you all could be here to join us this morning, whether you're here in person or whether you're joining us online. Uh, if you are visiting with us or a guest, we just want to extend a special welcome to you. And if you are new, my name's Don. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. And uh, you've joined us when we are about halfway through a series we're doing it from the book of Proverbs called Wisdom for Living. And uh, today we've, been, we've just been kind of looking at some different themes through Proverbs. And uh, our text for today is from Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 10. And the title of the message today is The Wisdom of Giving. You know, there are times we encounter things in life that are true, but don't seem to make a lot of sense when we think about them. Uh, just give you a few examples I ran across. Um, one, why is it that people say they slept like a baby when, if you've ever had a baby, <laughs> you know the babies are up just about every two hours, right? Why, why does Superman stop bullets with his chest but duck when you throw something at him? Just true, but doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Why doesn't Tarzan ever have a beard? Ever think about it? You ever see Tarzan with a beard? No. Why do we park our cars in driveways and drive them on parkways? Why is it that when you blow in a dog's face, he gets mad at you, but when you put him in a car ride, he sticks his head out the window? I thought this one was interesting. Why does the Supreme Court have a full basketball court over top of the courtroom where they meet? This is true. At the very top floor of the Supreme Court building is a full court basketball court. I've got a picture of it. You can pull up that picture. There it is. And can you imagine what, they, what the name of this court is? It's called the highest court in the land. Literally. And so if you were able to kind of go in the building and be there during the adjournment for the lunch session, you might see something like this up there. True, but you know, Supreme Court, it's hard for me to imagine the folks in the age they are on the Supreme Court hooping up and down a full court basketball court. It just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. So things that are true but don't seem to make sense. And I really think the area of giving can seem like one of those things. As the Bible, it, it clearly portrays giving to God and his purposes as good and pleasing to God, even though it costs us to do so. It also clearly claims that giving is wise and in our best interest. That giving is something we shouldn't neglect. That giving generously actually benefits our financial well-being rather than hurts it. And that just doesn't seem to make sense in the way we typically think. We, we tend to think that holding on to what we have is the best way to be financially wise and to protect our well-being. 
Uh, and the more uncertain or challenging our situation or circumstances may be, the less the idea that giving and generosity toward others seems to make sense as a wise thing to do. And if we look around us in the world we're living in today, you could certainly make a case, case that these are challenging and uncertain times in a lot of ways. We are still wrestling through coming out of a pandemic and all the ways that has affected our lives. The economy is tenuous at best. Uh, inflation is running rampant. You can go to the store and every time you go, it seems like the prices are higher than when you were there last time. And then we add on top of that, now we're dealing with war over in Ukraine and the uncertainty of that and the effect that that may have on things economically around the world. I mean, there's little question that we're living in challenging and uncertain times. Times where it might seem wise to be cautious, to be conservative, and hold on to the financial resources we have. But in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 10, our text for today, Solomon would tell us that God's wisdom would tell us something different. It might not seem like it makes sense to our natural way of thinking, but no matter how challenging or uncertain the world around us may be, in these verses, God's wisdom would tell us that giving is one thing wise people don't neglect. And that's really the big idea for the message today. Giving is one thing wise people don't neglect. So before we look at this passage, let's take a moment and ask God to meet us this morning. Well, Lord, as we come to you this morning and we consider this area of how you would call us to give, Lord, it's, it's not a natural thing for us, Lord. We... We really wrestle with these kinds of ideas and your truth and your wisdom. And so, Lord, we ask that you would come in the presence of your spirit and your power this morning to meet us in this time. Lord, that you would fill this place with you and that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord, that we might know and trust that what you say to us in this area is true. So we just commit this time to you, Lord. I ask you to, to do your work in our midst now for the glory of your name and the good of your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's look at these verses together in Proverbs 3, 5 through 10. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Well, this morning we want to look at two points from this passage that I think help us see Giving is one thing wise people don't neglect. So the first thing we want to look at is that giving demonstrates our trust in God and his wisdom. 
And in verses 5 through 8, Solomon really gives us a wisdom principle, if you will, that is to shape how we live as God's people. Let's look at that, those verses again. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. See, as God's people, we are to trust in God and his wisdom with all our hearts. But he tells us here that God's wisdom and trusting in him doesn't always seem to make sense in how we naturally think about things. We're to trust in the Lord and his wisdom and not lean on our own understanding. So the implication here is that our own understanding is often very different than God's wisdom. And to lean on your own understanding is this idea of something that's supporting you. It's like leaning on a stick or a cane or a counter or something. So it's what holds you up. It's what you're depending on to keep you and sustain you and support you. And so we're not to lean on our own understanding. And God's wisdom is sometimes different than what our natural understanding might be. Verse 7 says, don't be wise in your own eyes. To be wise in your own eyes means you think your understanding is best. It means you think you know what makes sense. You've got it all figured out. You don't need to listen to advice or counsel or anybody else's wisdom. To be wise in your own eyes is to be, in your own estimation, self-reliant and self-sufficient in your own wisdom. And so God's wisdom and our natural way of thinking are often very different. God himself tells us that as he says to Isaiah in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, trusting in God and following his wisdom can at times seem to contradict the way we would naturally think. And one of the ways that that can be true is when it comes to giving and generosity toward God and others. Let's look again at verses 9 and 10. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And these, these verses tell us that in God's wisdom, giving not only honors God, but also works to our benefit. When it comes to giving, God's wisdom tells us that things work almost the exact opposite of what we might naturally think. See, we think holding on to what we have is the way to protect our financial well-being. Proverbs 28.22 says, A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. So Proverbs says that when we're stingy and selfish with what we have, it doesn't lead to prosperity. It tends to lead to poverty. 
We think giving generously will hurt us and leave us worse off now and in the future. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. See, when it comes to giving, God's wisdom is its somewhat of a paradox, isn't it? It's something that's true, but doesn't seem to make sense to us. John Bunyan kind of captured the idea in this uh, statement he made. He said, a man there was, some call him mad. The more he gave away, the more he had. That just doesn't make sense in the way we think. But when it comes to giving, we are to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. And there are two aspects of giving that Solomon speaks of in verse 9. First, he says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And honoring God with your wealth speaks of giving to God's purposes and work from what he's given to you. It speaks of regular, consistent giving to God and his purposes from what you have and what you earn. And in the Old Testament, God structured that ongoing, consistent giving through a a system of tithes and offerings that the Israelites were to to do. And uh, the the word tithe literally means a tenth, and, and we can think that Many times when we think of of the idea of tithe, that that the Israelites gave a tenth, but really there was a series of tithes and offerings that were prescribed in the Old Testament law. And if you you add it all up, they probably gave somewhere more in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 percent of what they they produced uh, to to the, the, the temple system and the other things that God called them to give to. So God's people, uh, they gave from what they earned to support the temple and the things associated with it. And it also included being generous to give to those who were poor or in need. And so giving is really, it's an acknowledgement that everything we have belongs to God and comes from God. And God calls his people to give a portion of what he gives to them back to him to support and further his purposes and work. And verse 9 also says that, we, that uh, to honor God with the first fruits of all your produce. And honoring God with the first fruits of all your produce, that's a little different. The first fruits concept was, was kind of like this. When, when the harvest, and you've got to understand that Israel was primarily an agricultural economy, so they weren't so much giving money as giving things that they literally produced in their fields. But when the harvest was about ready to, to be harvested and to be brought in, they would take the very first of the very best and the first of that harvest and offer it to God. So that was the first fruits offering that they would make. And the first fruits was intended, it wasn't so much about an amount because it didn't specify any amount. It was really more of a statement. And the statement was giving the first fruits to God declared that God comes first in what we do with our money 
and our wealth. And so not only was there to be a regular giving of your income or what you produced, but God was to be the first priority when it comes to what we do with our wealth and money. And so, you know, today there's some debate over whether the principle of tithing is still relevant to us as God's people in the New Testament. And uh, the New Testament just really doesn't say that much about it. Uh, it's not a strong case if, for those who even try to make it. But the principles that underlie those Old Testament forms are still very much relevant today. The principle of God's people giving to further God's kingdom and purposes is still valid today. The principle of putting God first in the area of our money and wealth has not changed either. And throughout the New Testament, we would see these same principles as God's people are called to give to support his purposes and work through the local church. They're called to be kind and generous to those in need. Because you see, giving to further God's purposes and work, it's really a matter of what we trust in our hearts. Do we trust in the Lord with all our heart? Or do, do we trust that he's the provider and the source of our security? Or do we trust in our money and financial resources to keep us secure? Usually it's one or the other. Because Jesus told us you, you can't do both. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said this. He said, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't trust both. You have to choose what you're going to trust for your security and your provision. Is it going to be God or is it going to be your resources, your finances, your security to find your security there? And so how we relate to this area of giving is really a statement of whose wisdom we trust. Because trusting God with all our heart means we acknowledge that his wisdom is good and wiser than ours. Charles Bridges said it this way, It is a childlike, unwavering confidence in our Father's well-proved wisdom, faithfulness, and love. He is truth itself. Therefore, he wants us to take him at his word and prove his word to the very limit of its power. So in all our ways, we are to acknowledge him. And that means every area of our life, including our finances. And in challenging and uncertain times like we find ourselves in, giving is really a litmus test of our faith. Who do we trust? Whose wisdom do we lean on in how we handle our money and finances? Whose, whose wisdom are you leaning on in this area? Because it may not make sense to our natural way of thinking, but in God's wisdom, giving is one thing wise people don't neglect. And that brings me to the second thing I want to touch on from this passage, and that is that God faithfully cares for those who honor him in their giving. 
I mean, why is giving the smartest thing we can do, even in uncertain times like we're in? Why is following God's wisdom not only honoring to Him, but in our best interest as well? And the reason is because God Himself provides and cares for those who honor Him by trusting in His wisdom. And we can see that throughout this passage in verse 6. It says, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. It tells us that if we follow God's wisdom, he'll make our paths through life straight. And making your path straight means it keeps you from turning off the right path. It keeps you from falling into a ditch on the side of the road or turning down a wrong road that would be damaging or destructive. It speaks of God removing obstacles and hindrances from the path we walk in our life. Then if we look at verse 8, verse 8 says, Following God's wisdom leads to health and well-being for your life overall. I mean, making our paths straight doesn't mean life will always be smooth won't always be easy. We don't think we will never have problems or difficulties. Doesn't make us immune to trials and tragedies in this broken world. But it does mean that generally speaking, things will go better for us if we follow God's wisdom. That's really the whole point of the book of Proverbs. The point of Proverbs is that God's, it lays out God's wisdom and, and makes the case that God's wisdom and our best interests, there's no contradiction between the two. And that is no less true when it comes to giving. Let's look at verses 9 and 10 one more time. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And there is a principle that we see throughout the scriptures where God honors those who honor him. 1 Samuel 2.30, as God is reproving the prophet Eli for his unfaithfulness in carrying out his responsibilities as high priest, it says, as God speaks to him, But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. See, when we seek to honor God by trusting in him and acting on his wisdom, he honors us in his care and provision for us. And we can see this principle many places throughout Scripture. Just give you a couple. In Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8, God says this Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. 
for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. God honors those who trust and honor him. We see the same thing when it comes to financial and giving. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe. This is God speaking again. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God cares and provides for those who honor him. Now, we need to be careful here that our motive for giving is rooted in the right place. That it's rooted in our trust in God and a desire to honor him rather than in our own selfishness. Because we can see these kinds of promises in Scripture and we can be tempted to give with our heart in the wrong place. Where we give because we, we want or expect God to do something or certain things for us. And giving becomes about us more than honoring God. Charles Purgeon tells a story that kind of illustrates this point. It says, once upon a time in an old kingdom, there was a, a gardener who grew an enormous carrot in his garden. Now, this man loved his king, and so he presented the carrot to the king, saying, this is the best carrot my garden will ever grow. Receive it as a token of my love. Now, the king discerned his heart of love and devotion and saw that he wanted nothing in return. And this moved the king, and he then gave the gardener far more land than he currently had for his garden. So the man went home rejoicing. Now a nobleman who was at the court overheard this conversation. And he thought to himself, if that's the response that the king makes to such a small gift, what will he give in response to a great one? So the next day, he brought the king a fine horse, saying, This is the best horse my stables will ever grow. Receive it as a token of my love. But the king discerned the nobleman's heart, and in response, he just received the horse and dismissed the giver. When the king saw the look of confusion on his face, he said, The gardener's gift was a gift indeed out of love but you are just trying to make a profit. He gave me the carrot, but you gave yourself the horse. You see, if we're giving to get something from God, then ultimately we are, in fact, giving to ourselves. You know, I, I remember in my own life having to wrestle through this um, not too long after I became a Christian, I began to sort of wrestle with this idea of giving to God. That was kind of a new idea to me. And so I kind of began to look at what the Bible had to say. And I said, yeah, it seems like that's what God's saying. And so I remember when I was really wrestling through, was I going to make a decision to tithe um, as a, a regular part of how I you know, gave uh, from my income to God? And so I was looking at some of these, these promises that are in the Bible, and I particularly remember Malachi 3.10, the one we looked at where God talks about opening the windows of heaven. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, I, I'd be foolish not to 
to do this because God's just going to bless me if I do this. And uh, so I did. I decided this is what I'm going to do. So I began tithing. About two weeks after I started, the engine in my car went up. Now, that was a $2,200 repair back in the mid-'80s. And just to give you some sense of the context of that, I paid $8,500 for the car uh, at that time. And so this really hit me hard and shocked me. And I remember wrestling with this, thinking, God, I thought you said that if I put you first, you, you would take care, you would provide for me. You, where's the windows of heaven being open? Because it doesn't feel like that's happening. And I really had to wrestle through, why was I doing this? Was I doing it to honor God because I trusted that his wisdom was true? Or was I doing it for me and for what I might get, how I might benefit? By God's grace, I, I did kind of wrestle through that and made the decision that I was going to trust God. And I've, in all the years since, would never one minute regret that decision. But we can give with wrong motives that don't really honor God. And, and that kind of giving, it, it doesn't come from a trust in God and his wise care for us. It's trusting God and trusting in his word that honors him. See, here's the thing. God really doesn't need our money. <laughs> he, he owns everything now. He, he doesn't need anything from us. What he wants is our hearts. That's why in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, when the Apostle Paul is talking about this area of giving, he says each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly, nor under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, God doesn't want you to give reluctantly, out of a sense of obligation, out of a sense of guilt. He doesn't want you to give with a wrong motive. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. He wants you to offer your heart to him. And then your finances is just a reflection of saying, Lord, here I am. Take, take what I have, use it however you want. What would you have me do? And so we can give cheerfully in that context because we trust what he says is true. That if we honor his wisdom, he will take care and provide for us. So we give seeking to honor him by trusting in him and his wisdom, trusting him to provide and care for our needs in the ups and downs of life. We don't give with a focus on what we expect to get. We give because we love him and trust in him with all our heart. We give out of love and gratefulness to the God who really has given so much to us. Because, you know, when you think about it, God is really the ultimate giver. If you sit here today as a Christian, it's because God gave. You know, the Bible tells us that God gave his only son who, so that whoever would believe on him might not perish but have eternal life. And, and God gave the most precious thing that 
there was to him in the person of his son. And when Jesus came into this world on a rescue mission for us, he gave everything. He gave up his divine perfection to come into this world as a human being where he was rejected, despised, dishonored, misrepresented, treated shamefully. And yet, despite all that, he walked through this human life and perfectly, in a, in a, with perfect love and obedience to God every minute of every day. And he did that so he, that he could earn a perfect righteous standing before God. But he didn't do that for himself. He was already perfectly righteous. He did that so he could give that righteousness to us so that he could credit it to our account. But he didn't stop there. Then he went on to give himself to die on a cross in our place. To not only suffer the horrors of physical crucifixion, but far worse, to take upon himself the judgment and the condemnation that God would have poured out on us for all the wrongs we've done. He would take that. He would bear it. He would then do that for us so that we might be forgiven and we might have the opportunity by putting our faith and trust in him and what he did to be reconciled back into a relationship with God. Jesus gave everything and even in his resurrection, he gave, he gives us the opportunity to share in his resurrection life and be a part of God's eternal kingdom. Jesus gave everything on our behalf. That's why the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. That's the giving of God. And for those who have put their trust in Jesus, you know, God's grace and blessing and how he honors those who honor him, it is, it is far too multifaceted to limit to just finances and material things. Because God pours out his grace on us in countless ways that are not material in nature and and, and not financial in nature and how he honors and cares for us. You know, when I think back over the years of our family, there are so many ways that I've seen God's grace protecting and caring for our children over the years. And I'll just give you, give you one example. When, when our kids were small, um, uh, we, in our living room, you know, we had a TV, and this is the day when TVs were the big box TVs, you know. And so we had like, I think it was a 32-inch TV, and it probably weighed about 100 pounds, um, because that's kind of what they weighed. Uh, and it sat on a TV stand, and that TV stand had kind of two little glass doors that would open on the front and the bottom. And so one day, one of our daughters was, she was about five, uh, was sitting in front of the TV stand, and we weren't around, but we had to, we figured out what happened. And she must have opened those doors and pulled on them. And so the stand tilted with her right in front of it, and uh, the TV came off. 
And so we heard this loud crash, you know, and so we, we ran down and, and she's sitting there in front of the TV stand. She's not crying. She got a little scratch on her head. And the TV is about six feet away. So um, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, I don't see how that's possible. I don't see how that TV, when that stand tilted over, wouldn't have fallen right on top of her. And yet it didn't. And I, I have no doubt that that was just one example of God's care for my family. And there are just so many stories like that that I, I could share with you. Uh, and so God blesses us in ways that are, are not always material in nature, but he also blesses us in tangible material ways that we don't ever see. Things that don't break down that could. Things that could go wrong, but don't. I mean, if you want to get a picture of what could go wrong in your life, just read the first chapter and a half of Job. If you want to get a picture of what happens when God pulls back his protective care from his people, read those chapters. Job lost ten children who died in a collapse in a building. All of his children. All of his servants were murdered. He lost almost all his possessions that were stolen. And if that wasn't bad enough, he was covered with pussy, runny, painful sores from head to foot. That's a picture of what could go wrong in our lives. And so, you know, really, the, the question we should be asking is, what keeps my life from looking like that? And the, the only answer is God's grace and his loving care for you. And so God making straight your paths involves removing obstacles and things that would hinder our way. And many times, we just have no idea of what those obstacles even were. We never see them because God takes them away. Or we have no idea what could have happened were it not for God's loving care and provision for our lives. And so when we put God first when it comes to how we use money, God honors that by providing and caring for us in countless ways. And we can, we can never give to God in a way that God will somehow owe us. That's just not possible. But when we give to honor him, then his name and his faithfulness are on the line. The truth of his word and his wisdom are at stake. His ultimate glory is at stake. And when that final day comes, I can assure you that he will get the glory as the one who gave far more than we ever did. And that will be true in this life, and it will especially be true in the life to come. And you know, if you ask any Christian who's been committed to honoring God in the area of giving consistently over time, uh, and I've heard many testimonies of believers who would declare God's faithfulness to them as they've given over the years. But I'll be honest, I have never heard one Christian tell me that they were sorry that they tithed or gave generously to God's work 
if they did so consistently over time. God's call to give, it will challenge and test our hearts. It will. It will challenge our trust in his wisdom. And we often can't see how he will work to make a way for us to give what he might ask us to. But he will be faithful to provide for us, to give what he asks if we are faithful to honor him by doing our part. And when we honor God by trusting him and his wisdom when it comes to giving, God not only honors us by caring for us and providing for our needs and what he asks us to give, but he often blesses us so that we might be able to honor him even more by giving more. That's exactly what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11. It says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way that through us will produce thanksgiving to God. See, Paul says there that God gives us resources for two purposes. One is bread for food. He gives us resources to meet our needs so that we can live and and he provides for that. But he also gives us resources to sow, seed for sowing, that we are to give back, that we are to give. And that sowing, he says, if we sow faithfully with the resources he's given us, he's going to multiply that seed for sowing so we can sow even more. And the amazing thing is, the more we sow, And the more we reap, because if I looked a couple verses earlier, it says he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. But he who sows abundantly will reap abundantly. But the more we sow and the more God gives us to enable us to to sow more, then when the day comes, we stand before him. He turns around and rewards us a thousandfold for all that we gave, which only came from his giving to us. I mean, how can you go wrong with that plan? That's God's grace. And here's God's promise to those who are faithful givers. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. There's a lot of alls in that verse, aren't there? All grace, all sufficiency, all things, all times, that you may abound in every good work. You know, God's wisdom when it comes to giving, it may not make sense to our natural thinking. In challenging and uncertain times, it might seem like giving is the last thing you'd want to do. But if we understand God's wisdom when it comes to giving, giving is really the one thing that wise people don't neglect. If I could have the worship team come and join me. And you know, so for some of us here today, what's the application? For some of us today, maybe the application is for us to just to take a step of faith and begin some sort of regular and consistent pattern of giving to God's purposes through a local church. 
if this is your church home, this church, but if you're some other church, it would be that church. And let me just make say this, because if you happen to be a guest or visitor with us today, uh, we would not ask or expect you to give anything financially to this church. Giving is for those who would consider this church home. Those are the ones who we would ask to consider giving here. And really for those who are part of the Grace Community Church family, there is a specific application I want to touch on today that's relevant to us. And that's next Sunday is Pledge Sunday for our Above and Beyond Giving campaign that provides for the $217,000 annual mortgage costs for our church facility. And next Sunday is the day that we're asking everyone to come to turn in your pledge or having decided what you would give to the Above and Beyond campaign over this next year. Um, And as you heard last week, we believe that over the last 30 years, we've been following God's call to build a church facility on this property in Kingsville. A facility where as a church we can pursue our mission of making disciples of all people with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's really what the Above and Beyond campaign is all about. It's all about having a base where we can uh, fulfill our mission and purpose as a local church. And the Above and Beyond campaign, is a, it's a free will offering. It's, it's not intended to replace your regular giving to the church, but it is exactly that. It's a, what God might call you to do and above and beyond your normal, regular giving. But it's one way that we can seek God's direction on how he would have us honor him with our wealth. And so here's what we would ask you to do. We we would simply ask you, as we've been saying over these last few weeks, we would ask you to pray and seek God and to offer him your heart and say, Lord, here I am. You know, I want to have a free heart that does what you want me to do. I trust your wisdom. What would you have me do? And we would just ask that you seek God, hear from him, and step out in, in faith to do whatever it is that he would ask you to do. Because here's the thing. I, I believe with all my heart that God has already provided the seed for sowing among those who are part of this congregation to meet this need. That's what 2 Corinthians 9 says. God's the one who provides the seed for sowing. And I believe that he's already done that among us. And if each of us seeks God and trusts his wisdom to act in faith on what he would call us to do, I have no doubt that his grace will provide through us to finish this work that he's called us to. Because God is faithful to his purposes and his people. His glory and the truth of his wisdom are at stake. And we may be living in challenging and uncertain times. And giving generously in times like these might seem to us like it doesn't make sense. But again, if we understand and trust God's wisdom, giving is really the one thing wise people don't neglect. And so let's stand together and let's sing. And let's, let's sing to really our true treasure in this life. No matter what we may have or not have when it comes to finances, we all have a treasure if we put our trust in Jesus that is rich beyond our wildest imaginings. So let's declare that reality as we sing.